1160 The Quest welcomes you to Legislation Made Simple. Keeping you informed on political issues, primarily legislative issues in the Georgia General Assembly, but also some national issues that implicate the teachings of the church. Issues that are critical to restoring and protecting a culture that enables families to flourish and the kingdom of God to advance. Legislation Made Simple will also let you know how to get involved, how to get to know your state representatives and senators, and most importantly, how you can affect policy. Your hosts are Patty DeCraney and Jane Robbins. Jane is a retired lawyer, formerly with a D.C.-based organization called American Principles Project. Jane worked at the Georgia legislature and has maintained her connections there, so she's plugged in under the Gold Dome. Now, let's begin Legislation Made Simple. Now, the Georgia General Assembly is one of the largest state legislatures in the nation. I just became aware of this today. I didn't even know that. Didn't know Thank you for telling either. me that. It's, it's, and as you know, we've been telling you, it's composed of the House of Representatives and the Senate. It meets from January until late March to set the state's annual operating budget. And they did that in like the first week. Right, Jane? Well, they, they had all the committee meetings for that in the first week. The budget just passed this past week and okay. the governor signed it. So. Okay. All right. And they also proposed laws on a variety of topics from education to environmental protection. This is what we're trying to bring to you, is what's happening with these proposed laws or bills and how they're advancing within the legislative session. We are marching towards the finish line of the legislative session, and on this show, um, we have been trying to keep you updated on anything that may affect our Catholic teachings, our families, and our children. Let's pray, Jane. Come, Come Holy Spirit, Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful, and kindle in them the fire of your love. Send forth your Spirit, and they shall be created, and you will renew the face of the earth. Scripture today is Proverbs 3, 5-7. through 7. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, on your own intelligence rely not, and all your ways be mindful of him, and he will make straight your paths. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. We are in the middle of Lent, in the middle of March, as we march towards the end of this legislative session. <laughs> what's happening at the Capitol, Jane? Let, let's, will you start us with the, what's happening with the gambling bills? Yes. Um, as we record today, which is Thursday the 16th, there are developments in the gambling bills. We found out this morning from Mike Griffin, who is from the Georgia Baptist Mission Board and who did a show for us. We interviewed him back early on in Legislation Made Simple about um, what has, has happened with some of the gambling bills because none of them made it from one chamber to the other on crossover day. Mm-hmm. All the sports betting, casinos, horse racing, mm-hmm. everything died. Right. But as we know, because we've been talking about this, mm-hmm. nothing dead is really dead Mm. until after the 40th day of the session so one of those bills has reared its head again Uh um and the reason that we we talk about this is that the the church teaches that gambling in itself just games of chance that are are done just as a means of entertainment and casual and and not something that takes over your life are not a problem Mm -hmm. however Things that get gambling, games of chance that do start to become an idol to you, that do start to interfere 
with your responsibilities to yourself, to your family, to your community can become a, a real problem, and that is sinful when people start to let it go to that extreme. And as we have talked about with Mike and with um, another guest that we had, Dr. John Kent, with the online gambling, the sports gambling on people's phones and all of that kind of thing, yeah. the addictive capacity of that sort of gambling is just off the charts. They're designed to be addictive. Right. and They're, they're designed, targeted. Yes, and they target young men especially. Mm-hmm. So that's why I became interested in this, because I have two sons, and you have sons as well. Mm-hmm. So it's something that, that we really need to be aware of, that this is this world of gambling is not your daddy's world of gambling, right. when he might go have poker night once a week. Mm-hmm. So what has happened here is that today, in the Senate Economic Development and Tourism Committee, there was a bill that dealt with soapbox derby racing sponsored by someone out of South Georgia and it was kind of a local bill and that bill was stripped and we talked early on about how they can do this they can take everything out of that bill and and insert another bill instead so it becomes a complete substitute bill and that's what they did today with the soapbox derby racing bill and because it happened so um, so recently, this morning, I don't have the, the number of that bill, but wow. you could we can find that out and post it. But what they did was they stripped all of the language out of the Soapbox Derby bill, and they put in language for sports betting. And did, we, did we even talk about the Soapbox Derby? No, because it had nothing to do with gambling. It just, oh. it just it's a completely, we would say it's an unrelated bill, except... That the rules require that if you're going to do that, if you're going to tack your bill onto another bill or strip that bill and put your bill into it, it has to be germane. It has to be something to do with the same general uh, subject matter. Now, you might ask. Soapbox Derby? Soapbox Derby. Right. Well, but that's sports, right? If you're, uh-huh, you've got kids kind out there of, who are competing with their little cars, with their little cars, right. and so it has to be germane. And apparently, that's the only uh, bill they could find that they could even suggest wow. was germane to sports gambling. Okay, so they stripped that bill, and I'm told they stripped it against the wishes of the sponsor of that bill. But nevertheless, you couldn't mm-hmm. stop it, and they put that the gambling sports betting bill in now i think that the bill that was put in is the bill or pretty much the bill that was in the house earlier which did not make it out of the house and that is the bill that dealt just with sports betting it didn't have horse racing or any of that stuff in it it was just sports betting and it does it by a statute rather than a constitutional amendment which means that they could pass it with a majority rather than having to have a two-thirds oh, vote, okay. and without having to put it on a um, a referendum for the mm-hmm. for the Georgia citizens to vote on it. So that's where we are, and it really just happened. So okay. we don't know what the fallout is going to be right. of that. It if this seems sneaky and underhanded to people, I understand why people think that. It is acceptable under the rules they can do this okay and but it does suggest that if this is what they had to do to get it passed then it's not necessarily the the kind of of bill that that they thought that they could really build a lot of support for 
So that's where we are on the gambling. And, mm. and that's that's the only thing that's happened. We haven't seen anything on casinos or anything on horse racing. But the sports betting is the one that they're really pushing now. So that was, we discussed HB 380. Yes. That's the one that you're referring to, right? Yes, that was the sports betting bill in the House that didn't make it out of the House. And I think it's that language or something very similar to that that has now been put into a Senate bill. Okay. So we shall see. Wow. So we need to watch that. Mm -hmm. All right. Tell us about the education bills. Well, there's not a lot of news on that. Um, We had talked about SB 88, which would establish requirements for private but not public schools about dealing with children and their, their personal conversations with staff and whether schools could talk to them about their personal sexual orientation and gender identity and all that stuff. That bill died. It got watered down terribly, and then it died in in the Senate, and nothing has happened with that. So we're waiting to see if that gets attached to something, but right now it hasn't. So um, we have SB1, which prohibits schools from mandating COVID vaccinations for children in schools. This bill does have some some development in it. It passed the Senate easily, and then it went to the House Public Health Committee. And I frankly thought that it would die there, Mm -hmm. just based on personalities of that committee. Right. But surprisingly, it came up to a vote early this week. It did pass. The vote was tied, and the, the chairman... Representative Cooper voted in favor of the bill to send it to the Rules Committee. Okay. So that's where it is right now. It's in rules, and rules can either send it to the floor of the House or rules can kill it. But I'm hopeful that that rules will do what they need to do with that. So this is an answer to prayers and also your voices in making the phone calls. Yes, everybody who wanted that bill and who who made calls for that, I think it, it really had an effect. Yes, thank you. Uh, SB 154? Yes, that's the one that would make Georgia obscenity law cover school libraries as well. Because mm-hmm. right now, school libraries are perfectly allowed under the law to carry obscenity, which is no one believes that when I say that, but it's true. This bill never got a hearing, and I don't foresee that it will, at least not this session. So try again next year. Okay. Yeah. All right. As Scarlett O'Hara said, tomorrow is another day, or <laughs> next year is another year. And SB 233 is the voucher bill, the one that passed the um, the Senate, passed the Education and Youth Committee by one vote as amended to exclude higher education expenses. This bill would, would give families accounts. They could set up these accounts that would have $6,000 in them that, that could be used for approved expenses. So it passed the the Senate... And then it was amended again to to make it just apply to students who are in the bottom quartile of public schools as far as school rankings and mm-hmm. performance and that mm-hmm. sort of thing. So it, it was greatly, greatly restricted. But it's now in the House Education Committee and has not had a hearing yet. So it's it's greatly scaled down. It's not the bill that it was when it started, which would have let anybody set up this sort of account with the government putting money 
into it, which raises all kinds of, of questions and concerns about, well, if the government is putting money into it, then does the government control the school that you use the money at? Mm-hmm. But right now, it's only for kids attending the bottom 25% of Georgia public schools. And that's money going towards private schools. Yes. Correct? Yes. They could use it for private schools. They could use it for all kinds of things and for books and all of this kind of thing. But it no longer applies to most public school students, and it no longer applies mm-hmm. to using it for higher education expenses. Okay. Then there's uh, HB 338. Yes, this bill is the one that would try to get public schools to be more careful in their technology policies and try to, to, to mandate filters and that sort of thing so that students don't access inappropriate material online. And the this bill passed, it may have passed unanimously. I know it was a huge margin in the House. And it is now in the Education and Youth Committee in the Senate and, to my knowledge, has not had a hearing yet. But this may be a bill that, that they're just going to put on the back burner and then just pass it out easily at the end of the session because this is one of the bills that they think there's going to be a lot of support for. I don't know. Okay. Um, but the technology, I mean, we could do a whole show on kids and technology in fact probably will at some point okay but we we know that you can filter all you want to and kids get access to kids figure it out i know that the los angeles unified school district spent a billion dollars on buying ipads for all students and they had filters on them and within two weeks kids had had discovered how to evade the filters and so they had to recall a billion dollars worth of iPads. Oh, no. So, yes. Oh, no. So filters are better now than they were then. That was several yes. years ago. Yes. Um, but, you know, where there's a will, there's a way. And this is what they're trying to do. Well, they're trying to, to mandate it. To, to mandate some sort of, you know, filtration device. And the Georgia DOE is supposed to look at it and issue guidelines and, and this sort of thing. So All Right. And this is something that we'll get behind as well because they did strip the tracking. Yes, they originally the bill had some pilot program in it that they would would track kids to see what they were mm. looking at and how that that um, affected their long-term outcomes and mental health and that sort of thing and and that was not something that people that parents wanted because anytime the government is involved in tracking you, that's not a good thing. That's not a good thing. So uh, so that part was stripped out of it. So that bill is still alive but just hasn't moved yet. Okay. Um, you're listening to Legislation Made Simple on AM 1160, The Quest. Let's continue with the bills that affect trans-identifying children. Okay. As we have talked about in the past, there were two bills introduced. One was SB 141, which was introduced in the Senate, and it would have prohibited the trans industry from doing these medical interventions on children who are confused about their sex. The um, the treatments that they were talking about are the puberty blockers and wrong sex hormones and surgeries. This bill would have prohibited any of that being done on minors. They said if you're going to go that route, at least be 18 years old. And, of course, we know that 18-year-old brains are not a whole lot more mature than 17-year-old brains, but you draw the line. So... This was a bill that was very comprehensive. It was very well written. It had one brief hearing with no vote, and it died in committee. Now, 
there was a competing bill that was introduced called SB 140. And this bill dealt with the same subject matter, but it prohibited, first of all, it prohibited only the surgeries on minors. And then they they amended it to also deal with the wrong sex hormones, but it still allows the puberty blockers. And the the problem with that, as we know from a conversation we had, which we will air later on with um, a pediatric endocrinologist in Georgia, the problem with that is that if you put kids on puberty blockers to stop their natural puberty, not only does it irreversibly affect their body in many ways, but it also puts them on that conveyor belt so that they will go on to the wrong sex hormones and possibly to the surgeries, a lot of them. Mm-hmm. But, but there's, once they're on that track that right. the puberty blockers push them towards, right. they're not getting off, mm-hmm. generally speaking. Mm-hmm. There may be some who do, but the, the percentages are enormous that they keep going down that track. So the, the bill um, SB 140 just would force the industry, and when I say the industry, I mean the gender clinics and the the so-called doctors who will will do these kinds of things on kids. It forces them to wait a little bit to to get their hooks into the hormones and the surgeries. They have to wait till the kid turns eighteen. But if the instead child instead of like eight, nine, ten, instead, well, they I don't know that anybody does the hormones and the surgeries at eight, nine, ten, but they do the puberty blockers. And right. then they would do the surgeries in adolescence and the, okay. the, the wrong sex hormones. But they know as long as kids are, are allowed to get the puberty blockers that they, they'll get them eventually right. because right. the kids will not generally desist at, at that point. So, but this, this bill, oh, the other thing that this bill did is that whereas SB 141 provided civil liability to doctors who violate the bill, meaning if they do this to you or to your child and you realize that this was a disaster and they didn't tell you everything that you should have known for informed consent, that, um, that you could sue them. SB 140 got rid of that, that, and it specifically said you cannot sue a doctor oh for violating this bill, that he could lose his license from the medical board, but whether the medical board is really going to strip the license of a prominent Emory doctor, you know, it's, it's just not, not likely to happen. Mm -hmm. So, but this bill came up, um, and, and this bill was in, everybody pretty much agrees that this was a compromise bill to, to mollify the industry. Right. Because they would rather have, they don't want anything, but they'd rather have this than the more protective bill. So this bill passed, um, the Senate on crossover day, and now it is in the Health and Human Services Committee, or just was. They had a hearing on it earlier this week, at which apparently it was just a mob scene that the 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 people who opposed the bill were just out there in force because they didn't want any restrictions. They wanted every everything that a child wanted to be done immediately, just you know affirmation and. And just sign on the dotted line and whatever. You want surgery when you're 14, fine. That's what they wanted. Oh, no. That's what was going on. That's what was going on. And all of the witnesses, all of them, I think, were opposed to the bill. They, they didn't want any protections for kids. So the, the, but then the bill was amended. Um, the, the person who offered the amendment was Representative Jody Lott. 
she offered an amendment to reinstate the civil liability for the doctors who do this. And that amendment passed 12 to 10 along party lines, but 12 to 10. So now the bill is is better than it was because it does allow victims to sue the doctors who did this, knowing what they were doing and their patients really not knowing what they were doing. So that's good. The bill is still very problematic in that it doesn't ban puberty blockers. And it also contains a medical necessity exception, which is the way some of us read it is sort of like the health exception in abortion bills, you know, the health of the mother, because we know from the pro-life um, fight for low these many decades that once you start talking about health, then you can always find somebody, some doctor who is going to benefit financially from doing this procedure who will say, oh, yes, this is necessary for health. Mm. And so we're afraid that that could happen in this bill as well. So this bill passed the House 12 to 10 after it was amended to reinstate civil liability. Um, And then it, so it is now in the House Rules Committee. So House Rules will not amend it, but it decides whether to send it to the floor or not. So, So if people are concerned about this and they want to make this bill stronger, they should call the representatives and ask them to amend it. If it comes out of rules and goes to the floor, they should call the representatives and ask them to to offer an amendment so that it bans puberty blockers and gets rid of the medical necessity exception. But puberty blockers okay. are the big thing that people need to look at. All right. That's really helpful, Jane, to be specific mm-hmm. with this bill that um, has gotten a little bit better, but it's not enough. Right. Exactly. Really to protect our children. Um, the Religious Freedom Restoration Act, um, yes. SB 180. That was a bill introduced by Senator Setzler in the Senate, went to the Judiciary Committee, and nothing has happened. And what we're hearing is that it's not going to be revived this year. Um, It obviously didn't even come out of committee, didn't get a hearing, which could mean a whole lot of things, that people are just – the political will isn't there to do it or people think it's not the right time for it. And But again, try again next year. All right. Keep trying on some of these. Mm -hmm. Um, And then the new bill – HB 520, which we talked about last week briefly, that was rushed through um, before crossover day. Yes. HB 520 was introduced, I think, the week before crossover day or something. And it is a very long and involved and detailed bill that nobody really knows what it would do. Um, it's, it's the kind of thing that you need people who have expertise in the area of mental health. It, it's a major overhaul to Georgia law regarding mental health law, mm-hmm. diagnoses and tracking people who have been diagnosed or possibly diagnosed with a mental health condition and criminal standards and all this stuff. It passed the House just boom, just record time. And now it's in the Senate Health and Human Services Committee and the there is some disagreement about what it actually does, which is always concerning. That's a red flag. When <laughs> when it's not clear if it does this or if it does that, that means it's going too fast. That means that it needs to be slowed down and and explained and vetted and rather debated, than just, right? and debated. debated, yes, <laughs> and to let the public have input on it. So it's in the Senate Health and Human Services Committee right now. It has not had a hearing as of today, Thursday the 16th, 
But if people wanted to call the chairman of that committee or call members of that committee or call their senator and say, please slow this down. This, okay. this is not something that has to be done this year. We could do this next year. So give give people another year to look at it and to see what the problematic provisions are and what are the provisions that might have unintended consequences. Okay. That's that's great. Um, and you can go to... Uh, the wet the you know G- Georgia General Assembly website at legis dot ga dot gov to follow the bill HB five twenty and any of the other bills that we're talking about. And the way you do that is when you when the the page comes up, click on legislation and laws in the upper left corner, and okay. that'll bring up another page, and then you can can plug in. You can choose from the drop down menu SB or HB. And plug that in and then plug in your number and it'll bring up the bill. You can see the click on that. It'll it'll give you the current version. It'll tell you what committee it is. It'll tell you what the status is. All right. Perfect. Um, last week, we also talked about Gwinnett County being uh, Gwinnett County public school system, which is the largest school district in the state and what's happening with that. And today, uh, March 16th, which is our pre-recording for this coming weekend, there, the the uh, the board school board was t- supposed to have taken a vote, but well, they would take it tonight. At taking the it tonight, tonight, right? And but there's been a change, possibly, possibly, yes. hopefully. There, yeah. What what the issue is is replacing the abstinence based sex ed curriculum that they've had for 21 years, I think, in Gwinnett County, which has been highly successful. Mm-hmm. If you look at all of the the data on unplanned pregnancies and STDs and that kind of thing. Gwinnett has done very, very well with this particular program. Mm-hmm. And that aligns also with the state's current laws. Yes, the state's current law and standards are are um, very abstinence-oriented, which is not to say abstinence only, that that's the only thing that you teach anybody. Um, that That's not what it does, but it teaches you a full view of all of the, um, the different aspects of sex education and, and so these different kinds of contraceptions and well do they work and do they don't work and are you lulling yourself into a false sense of security and this kind of thing mm-hmm. so the the that particular curriculum has been very successful but the the new much more radical Gwinnett school board wants to replace it with a so-called comprehensive sex education um, program and they're planned to vote on that tonight, even though they did a, um, a public input. They put the, the new program up for public input, and 90% of the parents of Gwinnett just were very negative about it. They said, no, they wanted to keep what they had. So anyway, what happened this week was that state school superintendent Richard Woods mm-hmm. released a letter. He sent a letter to the school board of Gwinnett County saying we don't think that this new program that you're considering, this so-called comprehensive program, really aligns with the state standards. And we would hope that you would delay your vote on this while you do some more research because we think that the previous program did align with the standards and certainly did so much better than this new program. So, And the, the reason why he mm-hmm. wrote this letter was... was Parent input. Exactly. It was parents that went to the school board meetings. They they talked. They spoke. And you can see it online because you can watch the video of the school board meetings. And these parents were impressive. I was really, 
really impressed with a lot of the people who spoke at these meetings. And then when it was clear that the board, which holds a three to two radical majority right now, was not really interested in what they were saying, they went to to state school superintendent Woods and told him what was going on. And they, they called his office. They sent emails. They scheduled a meeting with him. And he met Wonderful. with them. And they explained everything. They showed him this. They showed him that. And said, please intervene here and let them know that they are going against state standards. And that's what he did. So yeah. this is the power of of parental activism. And if yes. we're not going to fight for our kids, right. you know, what are we going to fight for? Right. So now, as we were saying earlier... The Gwinnett School Board does not have to do what he says. He doesn't have the power to dictate what they're going to do. It's a local control state, as they say. Mm-hmm. Okay. So um, so we'll see what happens at the meeting tonight. All right. All right. Continue praying. Yes. And Jane, could you close us with a prayer? Yes. I will be happy to. Our Father, we thank you so much for being with us, for giving us the opportunities, for giving us this radio station to be able to get this news out. We thank you for all the parents, all of the citizens of Georgia who are making their voices known and who care enough to do that. We pray for our children, our families, our state, and our nation, and we ask that you would surround us with your Holy Spirit in all that we do. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. This has been Legislation Made Simple, keeping you informed on political issues with your hosts, Patty DeCraney and Jane Robbins. Listen again next week at the same time for Legislation Made Simple on AM 1160, The Quest.